Welcome to the MedSpa Success Strategies Podcast, presented by MedSpa Magic Marketing. I'm your host, Ricky Shockley, and this is where MedSpa and aesthetics practice owners come to discover strategies and tactics that help them better market and manage their practices so they can grow, improve profits, and have more financial freedom. Excited to be joined today by Sonia and Katie Kennedy, owners and founders of Magnolia MedSpa. Sonia has experience as a professional model and esthetician. She's an industry leader in beauty and anti-aging. Katie, Sonia's daughter, is the co-founder of the practice, lead esthetician, and office manager. We're going to touch on a lot of topics today, but one of the topics that we really wanted to focus on was financials, managing a practice without over-leveraging debt, and avoiding that shiny object syndrome that comes with expensive new equipment. All right, Sonia and Katie, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate you being on the podcast. Thanks for having us. We're happy to be here. So so I know we connected um, briefly last week, and the topic of today's conversation is really around debt and financials and how you go about thinking about those things, how you avoided the pitfalls of debt, learning to say no, and some of those things. So I guess first, though, we always like to do a backstory. So could you just tell us the backstory of how the business came to be, how you launched the spa? Sure. Um, I had been a stay-at-home mom. My kids went away to college, and at the time, I was married to a physician. And he had an urgent care center. And so I went in there and just started offering Botox, started out that way. And um, turned out to be a good location and good timing. And we got a hydrofacial machine and it just sort of took a life of its own. And before I knew it, the, um, the urgent care center was a med spa. <laughs> so accidentally almost turned the urgent care center into a med accidentally. spa. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. We, and, we went from depending on insurance to all cash, you know, which was a, a much, which was a much better way to make a living. Um, cool. So the transition between the urgent care that was a med spa and actually turning into a full-fledged med spa, opening the location, is the location you're in now, the original location, is that where you opened? No, it's three miles down the road. Okay. What was that first location like when you had the, your first spot um it was bigger it was much bigger and it you know over the years i had started decorating it to be more like a med spa and less like a urgent care center so you know it, it was very pretty um and it was a good location but when the time came and i split off and went on my own it was actually too much space for me i did not want to have that a big you know i didn't want to pay a lot for rent because i already knew what the overhead was like you know, and that you have to hang on to your money because your overhead is is really high. So the place I found is was really perfect because it was just three miles down the road in an upscale shopping center, and it had been a, a spa. So I saved a lot of money on my build out. I mean, obviously we changed some things, but it wasn't like you know from scratch. So I always tell people, man, if you can find something that's been a doctor's office or a dentist's office, and it's partially built out for you. That's a really good way to save a lot of money from the beginning. Yeah. So super, it's, super yeah, smart. it's been a great location for us. That's awesome. Did you, did you have to grow into it? So when you first got into that spot or did, did it have some capacity where you're like, Hey, we're not maybe using all of these rooms now, but it gives us something to grow into while also being something that we can comfortably afford at the, the current level of business. Well, it's okay. So it's a flexible space. So we wanted to utilize each room and be making money with each room. Um, but it's, it is malleable in the sense that we can make more rooms, injectable rooms, or have, um, we have two waiting areas right now, for example, 
but those actually are also used for consultations and it could it could transition into something that becomes more but at the same time we're still utilizing it for business because the other space it had a lot of um you know like nurses stations and things like that that just really weren't even usable and the clients couldn't enjoy. So our relaxation room has coffee, it has snacks for them, it makes the waiting experience enjoyable and make them feel welcome here as opposed to just sitting and, and you know, waiting for their treatment. Makes sense. So one of the episodes um, that we had Dr. Carol Clinton on, she mentioned during the recession, you kind of didn't do it for the same reason, but she mentioned if you find yourself in a space that's too big and it's putting an uncomfortable pressure because of rent, you kind of did that, but for different reasons, it sounds like. So any advice to the practice owner now that is maybe noticing their rent is really, really high, more than they can afford, they don't necessarily have the business to sustain the current space, thought process behind, like I think Dr. Clinton called it right sizing. So finding a space that fit your current needs. Is that something you just generally would recommend to practice owners? Well, I just always try to, to tell people that don't have delusions of grandeur. Like go into it like any other business and be smart about what you're paying for rent. Um, you know, I had an attorney help me negotiate the terms of my lease and I, I have it's completely doable if it was more. I actually looked at another space. Some people had tried to get me to come downtown to a, a really beautiful space um, that had been a spa and, you know, they were making, they were offering me everything to come down there. And finally, when I met the owner, he sat down, he told me he was going to be expecting within two years to get $30,000 a month. Of rent. You know, and there's just, <laughs> yeah. there's just no way with the kind of overhead that um, a med spa has that you could do that to yourself. And we had the benefit of, you know, we had already been in business for years. So we knew what our margins were going to be. We were only moving three miles down the road. So we expected the same clientele. So we, we really could predict largely what type of margin we had available for a space. Makes sense. Do you have, when you were making that decision, did you have some percentage in mind of like revenue to rent of what you wanted that to be? Or were you just trying to find the most affordable option that fit your needs? Well, it wasn't just affordable. It was built out already. And it was in a beautiful um, shopping center beside a really affluent, I wouldn't call it a neighborhood. I'd call it a community. Um, we're up here on Lake Lanier. So it's right where we've always been. And, and really, I'm going to say we hit the ground running when we moved in here and we were busy right away. Yeah, that's nice. Very nice. Yeah. I mean, we had been in business for eight years before that. You know, longer than that, 10 years. Yeah. So when you first launched, where did those first customers come came, came from? Were they from the urgent care patient data, like patient base kind of crossing over? Some of them were. You're going to laugh, but you know, my, at the time, my allergen rep, she was wonderful. And she would come in and sit down with me and talk about marketing and how I could do it. And she says to me, just put a sign out front that says Botox, $8 a unit, and they will come, you know? And Honestly, that's what I did. And between that and the um, urgent care, you know, clientele yeah. and word of mouth. And then we, my daughter moved home from New York, not Katie, but Victoria. And she had been doing marketing um, for Dolce & Gabbana up there. And she said, the first thing she said to me was, let's get a billboard out here on the interstate. And that did so much. I think I told you this before because it brought Kim Zolchak yeah, here. 
that definitely was a frontier yeah. moment because we leveraged the power of social media before it was a thing. Like, yeah, for sure. It's yeah, when it was fresh and everybody really uh, was loving and really trusting and in like a, <laughs> not questioning, oh, is this a marketing scheme or oh, are they getting paid for this? It was more of a genuine expression of what people like. We kind of, that was that sweet spot, I feel. Well, yeah, it was organic. I mean, it was real. It wasn't something that we contrived like now. You know, you yeah. have to work out contracts with influencers. But at the time, um, even when a few people that had a hydrofacial and she wanted to come in and it really just turned into be such a beneficial relationship and such a great thing for us. I will never, you know, forget that she really put us on the map because she came for five or six years a lot and posted yeah. all the time and, you know. So. Influencers before people use the term influencers, basically. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah, now we're, talking that we're on this, um, what's it called? The beauty tour, the Atlanta beauty tour. And yeah. We work with other influencers, like a biz business, like now though. You know? Yeah. Now it's just part of the marketing strategy to work with those influencers basically. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. How, how has that been working for you all? Do you find that to be pretty effective? It's necessary. Yeah. You know, it's, it's something that, um, people use, uh, Instagram as a, Instagram and TikTok as a medium to find just about everything. So you you need to be on it and you need to have a presence and really a voice and identity on social media. Um, that's something that we've been blessed with and it's come organically for us. And we have a really loyal following that way. Um, I just think that it's really just part of business now. Yeah. So I always say too, my two cents on this with social media, I know a lot of the instinct of a lot of practice owners, managers is to, Hey, Hey, we know we need to do social media, but we don't really want to do it ourselves. Let's just pay someone. And I think a lot of times there's a disconnect when you outsource social media that you're not getting something super valuable. That's authentic to the business. You end up paying someone to post article links or stale content. That's not really engaging. So we always recommend that people manage that in house. I don't know how you all are doing that. Are you all managing that yourselves, the social media? Yes. And um, honestly, I really like um, doing posts ourselves. So like the technicians doing a post where they are filming themselves and really kind of giving it an expose type of feel where they talk about what they're passionate about and really keeping it genuine and what people are interested in. Um, is something that I find really important. You know, sometimes when you do like the schedules that that people fall into and they're like, what do I do? I have no idea. It gets really kind of contrived and stale. Yeah. Um, I really like uh, feeling out and listening to what my technicians are doing a lot and what they're passionate about and focusing on that because that typically is what they're having the most in-depth conversations about and what clients are wanting to come in for. Yeah, it makes total sense. And like you said, you're going to have something that's way more engaging and authentic and, and timely as opposed to, you know, you, the behind the scenes content at a, at a med spa type business, you're not going to be able to replace that by just paying someone to post stuff that is, is just way less authentic. So I totally agree with that. Um, so sorry to sidetrack us there. So circling back to the, the topic of kind of debt and financials, 
any did you have like is there anything like in your personal life that kind of shaped this i don't, I don't want to say frugality but just like diligence with the financial planning of the business oh, yeah. okay i mean we just really um didn't have the money you know we did the best that we could and i told you it was kind of like a born of a divorce and um i pretty much opened this place on my credit cards and you know we worked really hard to get it ready and it's just been a blessing and we really kind of sat down before opening and thought about well we can't be all over the place with this spa we can't offer everything like some spots do you know we have all the latest machines we do everything we decided to just hone in on what we loved and what we were really good at which was skincare and injectables and it's really been a home run for us we do have one machine but i told you this the status of that <laughs> it's three years old it's paid for but it's broken and no one can fix it and if i want to send it to them it's thirty five hundred dollars to get it there then whatever it costs them to fix it then thirty five hundred dollars to get it back to me that's unreasonable to me. There's no technicians. They have safety screws on it. So basically, I'm sitting here on this machine that I spent all this money on, and it's, I can't use it. Yeah, with that, you know, with machines in general, I feel like it's an easy pitfall to fall into because, you know, everybody wants to hear about the newest laser or the newest, like, fat-burning thing or um you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I just really think that um, what we have chosen to do is not really, not really that. It's more of a learning how to care for yourself long-term. No matter what the latest thing is, you need to understand that you are going to you know, need to get your disc for every three months and you're going to need some type of filler, no matter what that new one is every year or so, you know, and like that is something that I feel that you can accomplish a lot with consistency and really educating your clients and not really have to pay 250 to $500,000 for a machine. Yeah it breaks right before the warranty runs out, you know, like it's, yeah. it's honestly, they just want to sell the machine for their quota. I said, they yeah. are making these machines for me to make money. Right. Yeah. And we've been doing it long enough that we see a lot of things come and go, you know, and you just can't jump on that bandwagon because then your clients are going to feel like, well, you told me to do this last time and now you're telling me not to do it anymore. Right. It, so we just try to stick with what we know works. And science yeah. evolves and changes and that's going to be obsolete before you're done paying for it. That's the, I think that's a huge problem exactly is you invest in this piece of equipment and then a year later a new model comes out and now you've got every competitor in town marketing because they bought theirs a year later. They have the new model making yours appear obsolete at the very least and and yeah, even just the financial planning of that, you start to add up the expenses of a monthly payment on a machine and then another machine and another machine. And all of a sudden you've got a pretty huge dent in your monthly cash flow too. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's sort of scary. And they'll give you these figures saying, well, look, if you sell this much, you'll make this much. Well, I mean, it just, it doesn't work that way, you know? Yeah. Or it's an ideal scenario at the very least. They're not accounting for the risk. We're just letting other people have the machines. Yeah. yeah I'm like, you can go to these people. I'm sure that they need your help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Like, especially 
COVID when we had to close down. I mean, thank God I didn't have big machine payments because that was that just would have been so scary to me. I 100% agree. Again, it's like the not accounting for risk. You have all of those payments that something like that happens. COVID is the perfect example of like, what is the potential worst case scenario? Hey, you're not even able to open the doors of your business for weeks or months, potentially. That's pretty right. scary because even if they you pause those debt payments, they're coming back at the end. They're coming and, back. And you're that's gonna be in a hole that's gonna be really hard to dig out of. So I think avoiding that, or unless you're a spot where you're maybe saving up, buying them and cashing out a really clear plan for minimizing risk. Like I think that just seems to be a really good idea because you're putting yourself in a position where you can cover payroll comfortably. As the owners of the business, you can take home some profits and just makes everything less stressful and makes, it makes the business work better in, in a sense. It does for us. I mean, a lot of those, when they come in and they tell you the deal, and I won't mention any machines by name, but I mean, just your common sense will say to you, well, that doesn't sound right. Like how, if I buy this and I use it for so long, then I'm going to have to pay you to, for me to use it. Like it makes no sense, like business wise. Yeah. And your margin, like you said, like, even if you're, even if they're showing you a kind of a blueprint of, Hey, this is going to make you money every month maybe if everything works out ideally, but you're so much of that money that you're making initially is going back to pay off that machine. And you had to make $250,000 in revenue just to pay off the machine before you're really actually taking home any profit plus whatever interest payments potentially are tacked on. So is there any concern by not having those capabilities? I know a lot of practices, they maybe operate from the perspective of if I don't have these things available, I'm afraid my patients for Botox or Dysport are going to leave, go go get the laser somewhere else, and then end up sticking with them for Botox or Dysport. So how do you avoid that, or how do you think about um, the trade-off there between potentially sending some patients away for other services? I mean, we've talked about that. We've had that conversation, and, and Katie actually has sent patients other places for machines, you know. Um, but they are loyal to us because we've been here for a long time, and we don't we tell them the truth and we don't try to sell them things just that are here today, gone tomorrow. So they trust us. And, and I think I told you about our loyalty club that, that we started what, last year. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I know it's that's been really popular, the membership. Yeah. It's been tremendous for us to have that cash flow that you can count on. It really, and, and it does go back to the client, you know, which creates that loyalty, but right. it helps with the cash flow. It's, it's mutually beneficial too. I mean, these women, these are expensive treatments for them. Um, you know, doing your face, uh, doing a facial rejuvenation with filler and Dysport, you know, I mean, it's, it's $2,500, $3,000. A lot of these ladies, they want to be able to save that money and we make that a possibility for them. You know, we, we, I know really almost every client that comes in here and what their needs are, as time goes on, you stay in touch with that. You know, you want to be able to listen to where your clients are at, where where they are economically, where your um, technicians are, and kind of find that niche and find your way through the moment. And for us last year, the loyalty club, they deserved it. You know, after COVID, everyone was a little worried. So we're making it easier for them and we're making it more stable for us at the same time. So, yeah, win-win. So Sonia, one of the things I know we talked about early in our discussion too was um, your pricing of things like Botox. And you mentioned that you're like, your pricing has really stayed the same for a really long time. For 10 years. Um, for 10 yeah. Years. What is, what is... 
what has been the thought process there and um like what made you stick to that price point is that the plan for the future what are your, just your thoughts on on pricing and being price competitive we don't really have any, we don't it's have any so choice. competitive it's so competitive i mean honestly um beforehand uh we had a few people up here i mean more than five or five or six spas now really honestly covid there are so many more med spas now because during covid everyone kind of realized that this was something that people could do without traveling you know they had a lot more disposable income it was kind of a great time for this industry so now we have this influx of new people and they are you know they're doing sales and they're doing this and that so we're just kind of like all right well this is where the price point works for our business. And we know we can survive this margin. So we're just going to keep it here. Well, because when we raised the price, our, I mean, it was like crickets. You know, we weren't nearly as busy. And even though people are loyal to you for some things, when it comes to the toxin, you know, I mean, it's, it's doggy dog. Interesting. Very. So you found even, even, even the clients that you felt like were sticky, if you tried to put the price if you tried to up the price incrementally on things like Botox, you found that enough of them would leave that it made the trade-off not worth it. It was better to it keep it at the current price it. point, basically. Yeah, it was no, not it worth it. it. You know, I think you and I talked about how there's people opening up spas all over. They don't really know, yeah. understand the business. So they're selling it cheap. They're buying it, you know, under the table. There's so many different, I mean, I probably get 10, 15 emails a week of people saying, Oh, I've got the, I can sell you this Jupiter. I can sell you this Botox, you know, and I'm sure to them, they don't understand the consequences of that. And it has to be yeah. what they're doing. Otherwise they're just losing money. You know, I mean, yeah. when it comes down to dollars and cents, it, I don't really understand how some of the places do it for the price they do it. Well, you all seem like you're in a very competitive price point and you're able to stay price competitive, probably in large part because you don't have this crazy overhead. You don't have to cover, you don't have to use like a, mar a higher margin of Botox to supplement the cost of the machine that you have a, <laughs> a loan on. So I think that allows you just the flexibility to make those decisions too, because you, you can be tighter with the margins and still be profitable. Our highest overhead is payroll and, you know, our suppliers, right? For our injectables. And you, those are the two most important things that there are, you know, is your, your, you want, you want to have good people working for you. So to have good people in this industry after COVID, right. it costs a lot. You have to pay them really well. And, you know, we don't, we only buy from Galderma and Allergan. We don't use any of these side people that are like, you know, top price from us. We do, we take care of our clients and we do everything the right way. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. And then with, so with staff and with, I wanted to get into that a little bit too, I know there can be like a chicken or the egg type issue when you're hiring. It's like, well, we don't have enough business to bring on a person, but if we don't have a person to do the work, I can't sell this service. So I guess that makes it a little easier to manage when you're kind of sticking to a smaller list of services. But when you grew your team, how did you go about doing that? Did you just grow your team as cash flow allowed when it made sense to make the next hire? Like what allowed you to go from one team member to two to three, for example? Business dictated how many injectors we needed and the more we have the more money we make right yeah and i mean you can build slowly um really starting people out in a part-time way uh, a lot of our technicians are not here every single day i feel like that's a much better balance especially for injectors um we really 
we really kind of keep that balance as far as let's put you on the schedule. Let's see how you do with one day a week. We just, we just increased one of our technicians to two days a week and she's going to build her, build her Tuesdays. You know, she built up her Wednesdays and, you know, they slowly, you know, they earn the time and they get to know the clients and they're not just sitting around board. We promote them and do specials for them, you know, like a new person on a Tuesday. So we'll do uh, a Tuesday special to promote the new injector that day. And so people will come in for that and then they'll meet her and get to know her. And so we definitely help. Nice. So, so just, so just being smart. And like you said, Katie, like, Hey, we let's add one extra day. Let's bring on someone part-time and, and let their schedule expand as demand allows basically. Right. Actionable steps. I mean, we're yeah. a huge fan of that because if you are taking these big, huge leaps and these huge risks in an industry that is, it's very fluid and, you know, I mean, you're taking a risk with a new injector anyways. Um, you don't, it, it's just, it's too much. It's a lot of pressure on them. It's a lot of pressure on us. So I feel like starting them out slowly with, I mean, with our estheticians, I train them. There's like a training period where we see if everybody mixes well together. Um, they learn exactly how we do things. Um, it's just, it's really important for them to understand the culture here because it's established and it works and our clients expect it. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's like we, we have customer service like public, you know. <laughs> we can't do enough for them. Nice grocery store. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That was that was the second time Publix has come up on this podcast in like the first ten episodes. So. I know, right? Because you're familiar with Publix. And that's how he uh, yeah. I said to him before. I, I was going to say Saks, but I mean Publix even outdoes Saks in my opinion. Speaking of people knowing my name, I'm surprised the people at Publix don't know my name because I go probably four times a week. <laughs> All right. So with that in mind, talking about staff and your team and building a team, retention being super important. So two things, I guess. First is you mentioned how important the price was on your like Botox, for example, to the stickiness of the business, like getting people to actually stay and not go price shop with injectors or estheticians. There's a certain amount of that as well as people stick around for the person that's performing the service. Um, so can you first talk about, I guess, the importance of keeping those people and retaining them? Yeah. So honestly, keeping them, the, the biggest thing for me is client comfort. I want for the client to be, feel comfortable coming in, to have, to know that their injector is going to do a good job, that they get along, to really have a, an experience that they expect and have a relationship that has longevity to it. So that is something that they value, so I value. Keeping an injector around um, is a challenge. But we've done pretty well with it. The, the important thing for me as far as staff is keeping them growing. So if someone feels like they're growing in their, in their position at work and they are learning and developing skills that are making them better professionally, they're going to stay. So we, take, we offer them trainings. Um, they get to do Galderma trainings. They have gain videos. Um, same thing with our estheticians. Um, even our front desk, we always are, are growing and building and making it a stronger position for them and making them feel and truly growing the business by increasing their capabilities. 
yeah, you're making them more valuable and employee employees basically too. They're more valuable team members and there's confidence that develops when, when that happens. Right. And then when they become more valuable, they're more valuable, you know? So, well, and yeah, it's a win-win, another win-win. Our, our receptionist is just as important as our injectors or as physicians, yeah. you know? So that's a, that you have to hire like a full grown adult person for that job, you know, yeah. and you have to pay yeah. them well. Don't and, get a cute 22 year old. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so important. You know, it's their first contact when they call, when they walk in the door. And, um, you know, that's that's been a really big thing for us is that we have that Southern hospitality thing where we just really love all of our clients and we want to be happy when they get here. And so the girl in the front is just is, is an important member of the team. How do you, what's your, what's your checklist, whether you've got it written down or not, when you're um, filling that role, what are you looking for? experience experience is a huge thing when we're when we're interviewing people and we look at resumes if they don't have experience like in a med spa or a dermatologist's office that's not gonna work um also professional appearance yes um maturity maturity yeah. Being able to multitask. We do have training days for that as well, which are like a trial period um, of, of three months. They're on trial. So we need to make sure that they're going to arrive on time, you know, and <laughs> because if they're not there, then no one can get checked in and your business. Everything kind of falls apart. Yeah. 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 And, and it goes yeah. back to these people cost money, you know, so yeah. that's where I choose to put my money into my staff and the product, getting the best product for everyone. You know, that's right. sort of how it rebalance it here. Those are our priorities. Yeah. Good staff, yeah. good product, because that's what really matters at the end of the day is knowing what you're doing and doing it right. Yeah. And back to the money thing, I will say this. I being a small spa, I'm way more loyal to one company than the other. I, buy mostly um, Galderma products and use Dispor just because it's a much better cost for me, a much better price for me. And the clients get better results. They're, they're you know, overall happier with Dispor. We do buy Botox sometimes, but for the most part, we are loyal to Galderma because they take care of us. Right. Commit yeah. one. It right. helps with your quantity. It's good advice. You're in a better tier right. and you get better pricing. Right. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. I haven't actually heard anybody really mention that, but that does make a lot of sense. Is there any issue with people coming in and asking for a specific product and then you having to educate them about this is basically the... Yeah, I mean, yeah, yes, not much, but sometimes there's somebody who'll say, you know, I need Botox, I, I tried Dispor, you know, and usually we can educate them out of it, but if not, it's not that big a deal. I'll order Botox for them, but 95%, would you say... More than that. Yeah, it's a question. I wouldn't say it's an issue. I feel like educating the client about um, about different brands of botulinum toxin A is something that they appreciate, especially because it's such a competitive market. So to have options and to understand the like the differences in those options and why we choose Dispor really helps them to trust us. In the end. Yeah. Well, because we can keep giving them that price, you know, that they want, that they're looking for. Because, I mean, you know, Botox is a lot more expensive than Dispor. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm, I'm glad that came up. That was a really good good little pointer there. So, Katie, you mentioned, like, you want to make sure your team feel like they have, like, an upward 
trend in terms of like their knowledge and expertise and experience and feel like they're growing in their careers. What about financially? Sonia, you mentioned wanting to pay them well. Is there like a growth path for those people? How are you going about like a strategy to retain staff? Yes, once once they start to gain value, then that's an option for them to, you know, increase their hourly. Well, here's what I'll say is once they've proven to that they can sell, that they can inject, that they're reliable, that they're professional, right? All those things, then, you know, I have a certain amount that I pay them and I'm, I pay probably top dollar in Atlanta, right? I pay hourly and commission. And the way they can increase their money is by, you know, making more, selling more, doing more, yeah. because that that's big money. I mean, their commission is makes a huge difference more than their hourly. Yeah, for the technicians, for sure, they are only benefiting themselves by becoming more valuable to the business. For, you know, the administrative side, as they bring value to themselves and the business, then they have the opportunity to review what, the, you know, what it is they're making, basically. Yeah. So I noticed, I noticed from that part of the conversation, you're really putting your money where your mouth is here. You mentioned earlier that the two things that were important to the business were team and product. Right. And you mentioned you're constantly aware of how do you keep your product costs low and how do you pay your team as much as possible to keep them around? So that's kind of an interesting. And a part of our team is our, our reps. Right. I mean, our reps are, well, not, and not even just for Discord, you know, our, our micro-needling rep our product reps, you know, there are, there are many ways that you can actually cut through your margins by purchasing strategically and having a good relationship with your rep, you get those opportunities. Got it. Um, so you mentioned that uh, like some of the staff basically is hourly plus, um, commissions. So when it comes to upselling and cross-selling, I think a lot of people, you know, they come in the door for one thing and there might be three or four other things that you do that they would be interested in or that would benefit them. So how do you go about educating clients, patients to make sure that they're aware of other services and be effective with cross-selling and upselling? So I know that's a, a big part of the success of any practice. So we're women, so this is fun for us. And once you get started talking about stuff, they'll ask. Yeah. And the, the girls get facial treatments, the injectors, the injectors understand and know about our products. They're educated. Um, the estheticians are educated about injectables and they have access to that. So, you know, we, as women, we just love to talk about like, oh, I got my lips done or like, oh, I have a new product, you know? So cross-selling is really very natural here. Um, it just kind of organically happens. Um, I, it, in all honesty, I think that it's just the culture. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of the culture, so we are, it, we are very respectful of one another around here. We don't, I don't give my injectors a hard time. I don't put these, you know, high, I don't say you have to sell this much this week. You know, I just try to watch them and make sure, you know, that they're, their numbers are good. I don't put a lot of pressure on anybody here so that it's kind of a, it's a professional atmosphere because we're medical. Right. But at the same time, you know, it's, there's not, we don't have a lot of stress. I don't do that. I don't run my business by stressing everyone out. We have a lot of respect for what each person does. You know, um, every single technician here is a quality 
injector or esthetician. And everyone feels that way because we have a high standard. You know, we, our quality standards are, are extremely high. So we can confidently refer across yeah. all. On, on that same note with how you treat your team, and this is just my intuition. I don't have like any real life experience that this is happening, but talking to practice owners, one thing I feel like might be happening a lot of times is when I talk to a practice owner and they're complaining about their team, sometimes I wonder if it's the team that's the issue or the person that's managing the team that's the issue because they seem to have problems with everyone that they hire. I don't, you know, so I, I'm sure you've run into people like that in various businesses. So could you just talk about like, you're, I think it's reciprocal. The way that you treat your team is going to dictate the work that they do and how they perform for you. Do you feel like that's true? Yeah. I mean, honestly, the the day-to-day, like I am in the trenches with them. I am a technician. I am doing treatments. I, you know, am, am here ordering product. I understand where they're coming from. Um, I do expect communication if there is an issue. Um, there are issues, but everyone feels comfortable coming and discussing those because they value their job, you know, and, and they yeah. understand that I do too. And I understand what, what struggles can happen and that I'm going to do everything. We're going to do everything in our power to, you know, relieve some of that pressure or um, strategize and leverage differently because we're pretty fluid as far as, again, listening to our clients and to our employees and what their needs are at the time. Because you can't be rigid. If you're rigid with people, it's you're going to become obsolete. It's going to get stale. So you need to be yeah. able to have that that open flow of communication and energy, and especially because it's a spa. So you're, you're working with de-stressing clients. So we de-stress our yeah. employees too. And I feel like if yeah. you have that culture of everybody being nice to one another and being respectful of one another, the clients sense that when they come in, you know, and it's just, it's just better. Yeah. And then they treat the clients that way. Cause we are women owned and women run and operated all women, you know? And so sometimes that's, we can get our, <laughs> <laughs> not going to lie. I mean, we, yeah. Been through We've been through some, but knock on wood, the, the team we have now is, you know, top notch. They really are. Yeah. Like holding people accountable, but also treating them with respect and kind of being collaborative instead of always be- being demeaning. And I think it's a lot of it's just the attitude you have as the person managing the team. Two more quick questions. One would be advice to a practice owner, A, just starting out. And then B, someone, and I asked um, I asked this on our last episode, someone that maybe went a little too far with purchasing equipment, getting a space they couldn't afford. Um, so I guess those two things, advice for someone just starting out in the industry, starting a practice, or uh, someone who maybe needs to take a step back. I'll do the advice just starting out. Yeah, I would just say, I mean, I'm a broken record when it comes to that, <laughs> okay? Do not spend too much money because you're overhead. You're going to need that money. To, for operational costs, you know, you're just going to need that money. So you, you don't need too much space. I think we have 2,500 square feet, maybe 2,700, somewhere around there. We have six, we have six rooms, um, two waiting rooms, two offices, three offices. It serves us well. It's completely affordable for us. Um, 
the other thing I would say is look around for something that's built out already to save yourself a little money wherever you can. And, and it doesn't hurt if there was another spa there because people knew there was a spa there at one time and your sign goes up and, you know, it could have been a doctor's office. It didn't have to be a spa, but it could be where they already have exam rooms and a front office, um, you know, and higher quality people invest in the people that you have because that's who sees your clients. You know, my clients know me. Um, because I've had this spa for so long, but they really know my staff, you know, that's who they really have the relationships with. So I have to take care of the staff. And so you can't just try to hire the cheapest people, you know, um, especially in this industry, because it's your reputation. That money you have out of the gate, much better used for team than the newest laser, basically. <laughs> I mean, you know that I'm, I'm how I feel about all that. I, I, I yeah. don't say they don't work. I, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying oh, yeah, not at I feel all. like it was ever, none of that was designed for me to make money. Definitely. And then the second question going out would be, um, what does success look like for you? And I, one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this is because I've talked to practices that are doing a large number in the top line revenue, but they're so over leveraged that the business owners aren't even taking home money yet. So what does success look like for you? And what is the lifestyle that you kind of want as a business owner? What do you want the business to do for you and in, in your lifestyle? I mean, I'm comfortable, you know, and that's what matters to me is that, you know, I, I'm, I don't have an elaborate lifestyle, but I mean, I'm, I have a comfortable lifestyle and, um, you know, Katie does too. The spas provided that for us. Our, our staff, um, we all make a good living. Our clients are all really happy. And, you know, that's, that's what I would say. Um, it's not easy to do that, you know, because it, you get too carried away when these, um, you know, salespeople come in with these newest, greatest, latest things. But, you know, I mean, you just, what I think the best thing Katie and I did when we started in this new location was we decided what we were good at and this is what we're going to concentrate on and we're not going to let people from the outside come in and convince us you need this $200,000 machine, you know? Yeah. Jake Laban, who was on one of the episodes, they're out on the West Coast. They've got multiple locations now. Same thing. They, they just stick to the things they're good at. They don't get caught up in the distractions of a lot of the expensive equipment. And I think it allowed them to be successful in the way that they've been. And obviously every spa is their own formula. There's certain people that, uh, that can get away with it, but I do think that's just generally good advice, especially versus the, uh, alternative. Well, and you know, here where we are, people don't care as much about the body or their butts or any of that as they do their face. Like, and that we kind of learned what our client wanted too, because we offered stuff before, you know, we offered sculpture for the body and all that stuff they do in California. And people just didn't, they weren't that interested in it. What we know what they want and that's what we that's a good point too. Yeah, every area of the country is probably different in terms of the demand that people want in terms of services. You know, if you're, we lived in West Palm Beach, Florida, you got 12 months a year, you got pressure that you're probably going to get invited to the beach or to the pool at some point. Lots <laughs> here in Middle Tennessee, not so much. Yeah, yeah. lots of, lots of high yeah. stuff. But, you know, you just can't, you can't get carried away because there's like, you could be selling supplements and you could be doing body stuff and you can be, and it can just get, you know, a little bit, spread yourself too thin that way. You know, and so we know where our money, where our money comes from and we know what our clients want and we have our own skincare line, you know, so we do really well with that. Um, and, you know, that's, we're, we're happy. We have a, a successful, really good med spa. And we went to the um, beauty um, 
thing where we talk to the different um, influencers. And at the end of it, you know, we get to introduce ourselves and talk about our business to everyone. And at the end of it, I just said to the influencers, you know what, just read our reviews. We're really proud of what we've created. And, and that's true. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you both so much for being on. This was a great conversation. Super helpful. It was nice getting to talk to both of you. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great Thanks, Katie. Thanks, Anya. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. This podcast is a production of MedSpa Magic Marketing. If your med spa or aesthetic practice is in need of digital marketing services, help with advertising on Facebook, Instagram, Google, lead generation, and booking more appointments, please visit medspamagicmarketing.com.